So as I, um, as I get ready to, to give you this message, I'm having a little bit of an out-of-body experience uh, because m- my name is Joel, and I'm going to be preaching about abundance. Did anybody get that joke? Nobody got that joke. Wade Watts, did you get that joke? Yeah. Everybody heard, anybody heard of Joel Osteen? Nobody's heard of Joel Osteen. He, he has about 30,000 people that come to a little place down in Texas every week, hear him speak. He and his wife, Victoria, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Um, it's a big thing. And, um, and he, gets, he gets lots of, of ridicule for all kinds of reasons. Some of it deserved, some of it not. But he's, he's a proponent of, uh, and, and a preacher really of, or at least what most critics would say, is of, of a thing called prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel, in short, sort of says, you know, um, if, 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 you, if you give, it'll come back to you tenfold. That's sort of the basic understanding. And so, and so in a sense, it, 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 it gets twisted. <laughs> it twists the notion of our, of our need to give into giving so that we can just receive. And it's, and it's a lot about material possessions. It's not, it's not just about about giving to, because of our need to give. It's, it's a lot about, well, if you give, then you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have riches in this life. And, um, and Pastor Osteen has quite a few riches in this life, and I don't begrudge him any of that. But, but it is a little interesting, because I'm, I'm not necessarily a proponent of the prosperity gospel. I, I don't think that... Um, I think, I think, it gets, I think it, the way it gets preached, especially in developing countries... Um, actually keeps people more in poverty than help them get out. And I don't, I don't believe that's why we are called to give. And so I wanted to talk about reimagining the word abundance. Because I think it gets thrown around in our culture a lot about what it, what it means to have abundance. And most of the time, we get, we get really focused on the fact that having abundance would mean, would, would mean having lots of zeros behind, um, you know, behind a number in our bank account. A friend of mine and I were talking um, some time ago, and we were talking about retirement, we were talking about college funds, and we are talking about all this, and, and, and uh, this friend of mine said, you can never save enough. You can never save enough. Does that sound like an abundance mindset? Sounds like a scarcity mindset. And I think that's most, most of the time, that's, that's our world. We, we live with this sort of scarcity mindset. That there isn't enough, there isn't going to be enough. We need, to, we need to sort of live in fear about that fact, that, that what we have is going to be taken away from us. I recently was having a conversation with my brother, and, and my brother's done okay for himself, you know? I mean, he's, he's not a multimillionaire or anything like that, but he, he's going to be fine, you know? And... And we were talking about money, and he said, I don't know where this comes from, but he says, I, I do worry probably weekly that like, I'm going to wake up and I'm going I'm to look at my retirement fund, and it's going to be gone. And I'm like, that's messed up. I'm like, that's, that's really messed up. You know, maybe we got that from some of our family learnings and stuff. I mean, we, you know, we weren't poor but we didn't, ever, we didn't, I mean, we had everything we needed, but we didn't, ha- we, we didn't have, you know, what, what would have been considered abundance necessarily, but we had everything we needed. At least abundance in the, in the sense of what people would think was abundance. 
And so maybe some of that came through the way that our parents taught us or didn't teach us about money. I don't know. I'm not blaming them. I'm not attributing that to them. I'm just saying it's, it's a thing in our family. And so uh, this scarcity mindset, I, th- I think we so easily get into that um, because our, our brains um, and, and all, the, all the study in our brains, and we talk about what's called the reptilian brain, it's always scanning the environment for danger. And since most of us aren't running from tigers and lions and bears most of the time anymore, it, it sort of broadens out the scope. You know, like, like, like antivirus software, it's always just scanning for something that's about ready to ping you. And so when it can't find something that's really of imminent danger, it's going to find something that might possibly be dangerous somewhere in the future. Why do we spend all this time worrying? It's because we're looking for fear. We live oftentimes with this scarcity mindset because we think it will protect us. And, and what I'm not saying here is I'm not saying you shouldn't plan. I'm not saying you shouldn't save. I'm not saying you know, any of those kinds of things. But I want, us, I, want you to, I want us to reimagine abundance. This scripture that Susan read, I mean, it, is, it blows my mind. Because here are the Israelites finally coming into the promised land. They've been, in a sense, living with scarcity. They were, they were slaves for 400 years. They come out, they're in the wilderness for 40 or for a very long time. Um, God had provided for them, but it hadn't been, you know, abundance in that way. But now they're in the promised land and they're finally able to live in homes that they're going to build. They're finally able to harvest crops that are going to be theirs. And God says, do not glean to the edge of your field. Basically, God says, leave some of the prophets out there. I mean, just think about this is This is in ancient times. I mean, don't go into the edge of my field. Like, what, what, if, what if we have a drought next year? I might need that extra stuff. I mean, I don't want to leave bushels of, of grain out there in the field. But what's the reason? The reason is so that the foreigner, or the alien, as it was translated as well, the widow, the needy, wouldn't have to beg for food. So that they could come and they could, they could receive and they could live from what was just left on the edges of the field. Because you left it there intentionally. There's an underlying sense of trust in what God is providing you and that it is enough and more than enough. And in a sense, I think for us human beings, it is, it is, it is so foreign to us, it, it, just, it almost goes against our nature to think that way. And that's why I believe God says, it's in the law. <laughs> this is a law. You will do this. Because otherwise, I know what you're going to do. You're going to glean it all. You're going to take it all. And then you're, you're going to be really chintzy when it comes to people begging in the street. 
And then we come to this, this story in the New Testament. And there are, multiple, there are two or three ways that this, this is told. There's feeding of the 4,000, there's feeding of the 5,000. Um, I don't know if you know this, but if, um, if preachers preached specifically about money and possessions in the same um, percentages or the, or the same ratio as Jesus taught about money and possessions in relationship to God a third of the sermons every year would be specifically about money and possessions. I mean, it's a spiritual issue. The way that we relate to the things that we own and that we have. Because I, I think God gets it. Like, we, we live in a scarcity mindset. We, we, we're going to hold on to stuff because we're afraid that it's going to get taken away. But over and over and over again, God shows in, in, in the way that Jesus lives and, and throughout stories in the Bible that God will provide. One time when one of the prophets was running away, he just had a great victory, but then he was afraid that the queen was going was gonna to come kill him. He's running away and, and he, happens upon, he happens upon a widow and her son and, they, and, 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 and she tells him, listen, we're... We're just getting ready to die because we've got enough oil and enough flour for one more meal. And the prophet says, don't worry about it. And for over a week they eat. And there's enough for the three of them. In the New Testament, Jesus comes and here's 5,000 men along with women and children. I'm just, you know, I... I just, you've got to understand the biblical world, like, women didn't count. And so they literally didn't count them. It's stupid, but that's just the way it was. 5,000 men, along with women and children. Here they are gathered, they're hungry. The disciples are like, send them away, go, to, go tell them to find, go find some food for themselves. Jesus said, you feed them. You figure it out. So they go and they ask, and they get, you know... Five loaves and two fish. Well, who knows what other people had? Maybe some people were holding back. We don't know. But Jesus then just gives thanks for what he has, for what's been given. And it is enough. And more than enough. Enough and more than enough. That, that's abundance to me is that what we already have is enough and more than enough. And when we dedicate all of it to God, when we dedicate our time, our talents, and our resources for whatever the purposes of God are in our lives, what we have becomes more than enough. More than enough. And I'll be really honest with you, every day I have to remind myself about that. So many people that, that I talk with, one of the things that one of the things I, I, I often hear from them is I have to remind myself to be grateful. I have to remind myself of the blessings that I've received, that I've been given. 
It's a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual issue. And when we dedicate everything that we are and everything that we have to God, it behooves us to then put in place some daily disciplines to remind us of those blessings and how everything that we are and everything that we have, we have dedicated to God because it came and comes from God. And that when we do that, we can give generously of ourselves. And it's going to be enough and more than enough. And so, you know, as, as, you, as you think about your own life, as you maybe step back and reflect, I want you to think about the places where, where you know, you might feel like you've got some scarcity. And, and, if you, and if you feel like you're living in scarcity, I'd love for you to go to your closet. <laughs> Just go to your closet. Just open it up. I mean, I give, I, give clothes, I give clothes away probably every other month. And somehow my closet stays full. I mean, are, is Jesus in there multiplying my shirts? I mean, I just don't like, what is happening there? You know? Enough and more than enough. Because apparently I'm able to go buy new shirts. We have so much. We have been blessed so richly in so many ways, with relationships, with opportunity, some of us beyond our imaginations with, with financial gifts. And so I encourage you to put in place some disciplines in your life to begin to change that scarcity mindset to one of abundance. That there is enough and more than enough. Because when you allow God to reimagine that attitude, the whole world gets blessed. The whole community gets better. Because everyone then is able to have enough. So I just encourage you to reimagine abundance as Jesus would invite you to. Amen.